0: Awesome. so so good so so good let's pray Father I want to thank you for gathering so many brilliant people I want to thank you that your heart to us is good Lord I just pray that you could use someone like me to inspire these brilliant people that we could lead this place better than the way we came in that we get a fresh touch of your spirit that we take a step closer to you Jesus and that the outworkings of it would be, our town would be a better place because Equippers Church Essex acted as the church, behaved like the church and represented the king of kings and all God's people said amen, touch two people and say he's got something for you this morning so we are in this series which I am calling Re, R-E, not as in religious education because that would be really boring, but re, and if you look on the screen there, we've got a little graphic, re is brilliant, little sort of start of a word, recharge, rebuild, recommit, restore, renew, resist, redeem, revive, all these great re-words, and today I want to talk to you about repent, sharp intake of breath from everyone there, because repent carries these I think quite heavy connotations it's not a popular word is it you know that realization that I'm doing it wrong hold my hands up got it wrong got it wrong hold my hands up there's that idea that I've been making a hash I've got to change what I'm doing no one likes that theme but the reality is it's a biblical theme that you follow all the way through the word and whenever I look at a theme especially a theme that's like a bit ouch to my flesh I have to ask myself questions why because this is why I ask those questions my starting point with any biblical principle is this God loves me he is for me he wants me whole he wants me at peace he wants me satisfied he wants me free and if that's the God who wants all those things for me when he puts a principle in his word I want to behave according to that principle because it's going to set me free it's going to make me whole, it's going to give me peace it's going to let me win God is for you but we have this issue because we are people and we have this little fleshy side of us that think repent how very dare you but actually God wants you to win so we're going to unpack this through that filter and I actually believe you're going to leave this place thinking that repent was pretty cool actually I get it better than I did before so let's have a little look at it Uh, you think to yourself you know when I talk about principles There's a whole bunch of biblical principles that I think we all clam up at, and it's because we're people. You know, one such principle is giving. You know, you can talk to me about anything, Pastor Barry, but don't talk to me about money, and don't talk to me about... Everyone clams up, don't they? But remember, it's a biblical principle, and any biblical principle it's so you'd be free, so you'd be successful, so you'd win, so you'd be at peace, so you'd be whole so when we look at this concept of giving which we're not doing today, it's because God's for you you know the biblical principle is this, those who are faithful with a little can be faithful and trusted with much the biblical principle is give and it will be given to you the biblical principle is give to Caesar what is Caesar's, pay your taxes and give to God what is God's it's all the way through but here's the thing, God doesn't want your money God doesn't need any more money but it does want your heart and so much of our heart is shown in the handling of our stuff where your heart is your treasure will be also give what you have decided to give in your heart so when the principle of giving is explained properly, it's not about your money. It's actually about your heart. But we display our heart in our stuff. Can you see it? If I came to you and said, oh, Ellie, I really love you. You're so, you're so awesome. She'd walk up and go, oh, that's nice. If I went to Ellie and I could see she's in trouble, I said, Here, here's a thousand pounds, Ellie. I'm, sho- I'm actually showing her my heart. Do you get it? I can give her a tap on the back and go, there, there, I hope it's okay for you. Or I could actually step in and show my heart. That's what we do with God. We love you, Father. We're going to demonstrate in our heart, in our handling of our stuff. So, actually, the principle of giving is a good thing, not a difficult thing. But in our flesh, we wrestle with it, don't we? When I look at my own life, and I think, you know, I've lived a quite unusual life, probably by, you know, most people's standards. For instance, my wife Sarah was 18 when I married her. That's quite unusual nowadays, isn't it? On my wedding day, in the vicar's preach at my wedding day, he called me a cradle snatcher. cheers fella I didn't go back to his church because it's quite unusual when um, w- when we started the church we sold our home my parents sold their home and we bought a big home and lived together Sarah lived with her in-laws for four years that's quite weird nowadays isn't it I'm not around applause for my parents or for Sarah but a round of applause for all of them <laughs> but we've lived not according to the world's principles but about the principles of heaven there was a motivation we wanted to launch this church and the best thing for us to be able to do that was to live together in that moment so we did it loads of people looked at us and think what are you doing but you know what we've ended up in a better place because that's the heart of our father you know I gave up a thriving business to come out and lead the church in world's eyes stupid in God's eyes brilliant you, know, we look, you look at my children, I'm very proud of my children, they, they love Jesus, they serve in church, they're thriving, they're happy, they're whole, they're going places. But when they were little kids, we prioritised church. A lot of parents today don't prioritise church, they prioritise their kids. But I want to say, if you look at my kids, the reason they're different to everyone, or to many kids in the world, is because we prioritise church. And now they're church kids, now they're Jesus kids, and they're going to win Do you see? It's just a different mentality. But my reality is I'm satisfied, I'm blessed, and I wouldn't swap it with anyone. Because I've just lived according to God's principles and not to the world. So let's get on to this idea of repentance, this idea of re-repentance. And I want to say that I think it's probably misrepresented, which is why we find it so difficult. If I were to say repentance to you, probably most of us would think of words like saying sorry remorse, regret, and these kind of things and I looked it up and in all the English dictionaries that's exactly what it says sorry, remorse, regret, these kind of things and that's what we think but I want to say to you the, the Bible has a different view the Bible words in the Old Testament Hebrew words you'll find words like shuv, sab and naham. In the New Testament in Greek, you find this word metanoia. And all these biblical words mean the same thing. They mean to turn around and they mean to think differently. It has nothing to do with regret and saying sorry, and everything to do with turning around and thinking differently. And when you look at it through that context, it changes everything. It's not so much about being sorry, although sorry might be a motivation, but repent is actually turning around and changing how you think. Let me give you an example, we've got this man, we're going to call him Alan, Alan's a nice man, and uh, Alan has decided he's going to do a, a 10,000 feet charity parachute jump, nice Alan, he gets lots of sponsorship, all his friends and family are on there, he's done a, a GoFundMe page, he's, he's created thousands of pounds, he gets in the plane, the instructor has strapped himself to his back, he's got his parachute on, they get 10,000 feet up in the air, they open the door Alan's little legs are hanging out the door 10,000 feet up in the air. Alan bricks it. Alan is like, what on earth am I doing? Alan turns around and says, I don't want to do this anymore. I've changed my mind. That's repentance. Do you see? He gets off. He says, I can't do it. I'm, my, my change of mind now changes my behavior. I was going to jump and now I'm not going to jump. Repentance is turning around and living differently. Can you see it? So when you look at it through that eyes, repentance suddenly means, okay, what is the revelation I'm having in life? How do I want to live? And maybe I need to change some stuff. And when you change some stuff and turn around, think differently and do it differently, that's repentance. And it's a good thing. Sometimes when you realize that Jesus is God's declaration of love, Now Jesus was quite happy in heaven, thank you very much. No hate, no tears, just love, acceptance, oneness with his father. But they looked down at earth and they saw humanity struggling. And we are the favoured creation. They love us. The father looks down and he says to the son, we've got to sort this out. I can't watch it anymore. And Jesus comes down as a declaration of love. I love it because it says Jesus came not to judge the world or condemn the world but to set it free he wants you free of your stuff how we prayed in our meeting earlier it was just like God doesn't want you boxed in and living under lies he wants you free because he loves you so when Jesus went to the cross he said I'm doing it for you because I want you free and when you realize that you think wow then you start thinking how am I living and I want to live in such a way that attracts the presence of the one who wants me whole. And sometimes I look at it and think, oh, I'm, I'm speaking like that, that's not good. I'm thinking like that, no, that's not great. I'm doing these things, that's, and that's, not, that's pushing God away, that's not attracting me. So I change my mind. I think I'm going to think differently, speak differently, act differently. And what does it do? It ushers in the presence of the one who's going to set me free. Repentance is a great thing your motivation might be I feel sorry I regret how I've lived that might be your motivation but that isn't repentance saying sorry isn't repentance repentance is turning around and living differently do you get it touch two people say it's living differently (laughs) let's have a look at Jesus very first ever message it's here in Matthew 14 verse 7 4 verse 17 from that time on Jesus began to preach the first word he utters repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near now remember what he's saying he is not saying be sorry say sorry he's actually saying change your thinking in such a way that causes you to act differently That's repent. Turn around. Do it differently. It lines up with what Paul writes to the Romans. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Think differently and your your whole life will be different. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what Jesus' message was. Repent. But this is what I love. Why? Why? Why should I repent? Why should I turn around? And he explains it. Because the kingdom of heaven is near. And when you look through the Bible, there's so many um, unpackings and pictures of the kingdom of heaven. But this is my favourite one. And I'm going to read it to you in, in Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. Jesus speaking, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seed, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds become and perch in its branches. This is one of Jesus' descriptions of the kingdom of heaven. And you think, well, that's a bit weird. So he's saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And this is what the kingdom is like. It's like a mustard seed. And what you need to know is the mustard seed's tiny, tiny tiny little mustard seed small but he says when you plant it the father feeds it and it grows into the largest of garden plants you see what is small in the kingdom once planted becomes big we live in a kingdom of increase if you feel like your life is small right now turn around think differently come under the blessings of the kingdom and your life gets bigger Because it's a kingdom of increase. And this is what I love about this picture. The plant gets so big and has such big leaves that it gives care and protection to something else. The birds come in and can perch on its leaves. So the kingdom looks like this. You think you're small and insignificant, you think your life is small, but when you're in the kingdom, God says, I'm going to increase your life so much so that you're going to flourish, your life is going to get bigger, and it's going to become so large that you're going to help someone else. The birds come and perch on the leaves, it's about you, but it's not all about you. God wants you blessed, he wants your small life to become so big that you can bless someone else. That's the kingdom. You want blessing? turn around think differently attract the presence of the king your life will get big so much so you'll look around and you'll help everyone else you win they win God wins the kingdom's about win 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 God wants us to win but it means this repent turn away change how you're thinking I love this you know you talk about getting in the kingdom well the kingdom has to have a king I think for us in the UK, we're quite good at relating to this because we have a monarchy. We don't have a king right now, but we have a queen. But we understand kingship and royalty. There's the, king's, the kingdom is the king's domain. It's where the king oversees. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And I like this, and it sort of drives it home, the battle we're in when we talk about our flesh. Because Jesus is baptised, and then he goes away into the desert where he is tempted by Satan. And look what happens. And this is in God's word. Luke 4, verses 5 through 8. The devil led him up to a high place. This is Jesus. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of this world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you will worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here's what I want to pull out of that. The devil took Jesus up to a high place and showed him the kingdom of the world. And he said, it's been given to me. What does that make the devil? The king of the world. Jesus didn't say to him, no Satan, you're wrong, you've misread that, that's wrong. He didn't say that. He said, no, but it says worship the Lord your God. See, I have come here to bring the kingdom of heaven here. You may well be the king, king of this world, but I'm the king of heaven, and you will never tempt me away from what I've got because I'm going to serve the Lord, the Lord God only. Why? Because my life's going to get bigger, so much so that I am blessed and others blessed. Win, win, win. So we find ourselves in this decision in life, in our flesh. Do we come under the life, the blessings of the kingdom of this world? Or do we come under the life and the blessings of the kingdom of heaven? And we all get that choice. But the reality is you're in one of them. I don't think there's some middle weird, weird gray area where you can be in both. You're either in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of the world. And that's a great choice we get to have. But Jesus says, repent. Change the, break out of your flesh. Break out of those things and just submit to my kingship. Because i want you to win turn around and you will attract the presence of the king and then all through god's word jesus unpacks the attitudes that are kingdom of heaven attitudes think about this one the good samaritan by raise of hand have you understood the good samaritan story you heard the good samaritan yeah most people have heard it it goes something like this some bloke has had a nightmare. He's been mugged on the corner of the street. He's had all his stuff robbed. He's he's semi-naked. And some religious people go past. And the religious people look at him and go, oh dear, what a shame, and keep walking. And and, and I want to know, coming under the kingdom of heaven and loving Jesus doesn't make you religious. Jesus came against religion because he wants relationship. And so the religious people who you thought would do the right thing didn't do the right thing. A Samaritan who everyone thought would do the wrong thing walked past, what did he do? He stopped. He stopped. And he went to the man and he said, are you okay? And he cleaned up his wounds. And he picked him up and he dusted him down. And he said, they've robbed me, I've got nothing. So he took him to a hotel. And he went to the hotelier and he said, this guy's just been mugged. I want to pay for him to stay at your hotel. Will you look after him? Here's a bunch of money. I'm going to pay for it. And he said to him this, I'm going to come back in a few days. And if it's cost anything more, I will pay it. Don't leave him hanging. I'll pay for the lot. I want to see this man well. Can you see? The kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven causes a man to look at someone else and say I'm blessed I'm gonna help you I'm making you more important than me he may well have been about his business he may have been going to a meeting he may have been doing anything but he stopped what he was doing and made it about this guy who had been mugged Jesus says that's the attitude of the kingdom everyone wins I'll pay what it takes to make your life better that's a kingdom attitude what about the parable of the talents there's these, these guys who have been given five, two and one talents and they go off and they invest them and, and the king says, I'm going to come back one day and just look after the staff and the guy with five talents goes and invests it and he makes five more and the guy with two goes and invests it and he makes two more and the guy with one looks at everyone else and says, they've got more than me, I've only got one, what's the point of that? and buries it in the ground and when the king comes back, he says, well done Mr. Five Talents, that's awesome, well done Mr. Two Talents, that's awesome what on earth are you doing Mr. One Talent? and he said well well, I didn't have as much as them and and I've, I've kept it safe for you here it is and the king of the kingdom says no you had something invest your something and we live in a world don't we especially on our social media which is always comparing to what someone else has got they've got more than me it's easy for them but the king of the kingdom says yeah but you've got something use that something You might be a writer, you you might be a teacher, you might be a dancer, you might be a great scientist. You may be the best cleaner in the history of cleaning. I don't know what your gift is, but sow it. Because then the king of the kingdom says, I can bless that. I can add to that. I can give more to that. So the kingdom of heaven isn't about comparison. It's about being satisfied with what you've got and using it. The kingdom of this world is always about wanting more, wanting the next thing, wanting the better car, the better holiday, the bigger house, the more friends, the more beautiful partner, whatever it might be. That's the world we live in. But the kingdom of heaven is nothing like that. It's about, I am blessed. I have something. I'm going to say, Thank you, God, for that thing I've got, and I'm going to use it. And as I use it, the king of heaven comes in and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are blessed and it allows you to have peace in your life can you see the difference so this idea of repent is not that you're a horrendous person it's that I've been thinking this way and it's actually hurting me so I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna start thinking this way and it attracts the king of heaven I'm blessed do you get it what about Jesus when he washed the disciples feet now it was considered one of the worst jobs there was there and they're sitting at the table and they're eating and I love this that Jesus removes his outer garment and puts on a towel and he bends down and he says, let me wash your feet. And they are all looking at each other a bit quizzical and this is the king of heaven. He says, I'll wash your feet. And then Peter gets all up at him what well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash all of me then. Over exit, good old Peter. But the heart of it is this, nothing is too difficult for me to do for you. Whatever it takes, I want to see you blessed. Whether it's the lowest of the low jobs or the highest of the high jobs, I will do it. You see, the kingdom has the attitude of a servant. I am here to bless you. And wouldn't it imagine, just imagine for a second, think Colchester. Imagine if everyone, literally everyone in Colchester had that attitude. That's hard to imagine. But imagine if everyone else was making sure you're okay and then you were making sure they're okay and he was making sure he's okay and she was making sure she's okay and they were making sure they're okay and we were all looking out for each other and it wouldn't be too much bother, I'll wash your feet, I'll clean your car, I'll lend you money, I'll give you money I'll, I'll buy you a holiday, I'll pay for your medical care, I'll, I'll get you a job we all looked out for each other, that would be a nice place to live in wouldn't it? well that's the kingdom of heaven But the reality is we live in this world and we bat up against people who live in this world with all these attitudes. And God says, yeah, but you are in the world, but you're not of the world. I want you to have a different attitude to them, which is turn around, think differently, live differently, because it attracts different results. There is nothing better than living with the presence of the king. What about Matthew 25, really famous passage, talks about the sheep and the goats. And the essence of it is this. People are bobbing along with the life, trying to have their nice little life. But the king comes and he says, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the person who clothed someone when they were naked because they put themselves in their position and say, how would I feel? I'm looking for the person who visited someone in jail because they had no friends and family to visit them. I'm looking for someone who saw someone was hungry and went out of their way to make sure they were fed. And Jesus says to the disciples, well, you know what? Well, You're saying we're doing this for you, but I don't get it. But Jesus says, I love all people. And when you do it for other people, it's like you're doing it for me. You are blessing the King of the kingdom when you help someone else. This is the kingdom God is calling us to live in. But it means thinking differently to the world. Because the world doesn't necessarily think like that, but we are called to. I guess what I'm hoping out of some of these things I'm saying is you might have a reflection of yourself. And I'm sure you're an amazing, brilliant person, but is there anywhere in your life where you need to have a rethink and say, Yeah, I've got to stop thinking like that. I'm actually going to change what I'm doing because it's going to attract the presence of the King. And I will be blessed. My life will get bigger, so big that I can help someone else. That is God's heart for you. You know, this whole idea of raising children. In Ephesians 6, it says, Don't exasperate your children. How many times have we put so much pressure on our kids? You know, many of them are in exam mode at the moment. Probably lots of them are just finished. There's so much pressure on the kids. And of course, we want them to study hard and of course, we want them to do well. But don't exasperate them. Get your weight behind them. Lift them up. Tell them you're proud of them. Show them what Jesus looks like. Love on them. It's such a kingdom attitude. There's all these ideas of encouragement and forgiveness and generosity. All these things are kingdom attitudes. And Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And he says this, repent, for the kingdom is near. It's right in touching distance. If only you'll think differently, you'll attract my presence. I love this one. No greater love has anyone than to lay his life down for his brother. Dying to self, that's like literally the ultimate. Would you do something for someone else that costs you so much? Well, that's a kingdom attitude it's just like you are so important to me but you know what that does that's a faith declaration because what you're really saying is I will give away what I have because I know the king of the kingdom will look after me and he has more than enough for me so as I bless you I in faith trust him to bless me So what happens in our world is you start thinking, I've got this much time, this much energy, this much gifting, this much finance, this much stuff. I I want to help some people, but I've got to keep some of it back. But when you die to self, you say, God, it's all yours. And he might say, give it away. But your faith says, he's still going to bless me. Because the kingdom says, what was once small is going to get big, so big that you can bless someone else. And he says, I'll give seed to the sower. You know, if you're prepared to sow into other people, God will keep giving you seed. Because if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Because that's the heart of the Father. This is the kingdom we live in. God wants you to win. Amen. I think it all kind of gets encapsulated in this statement here. Matthew six thirty three: Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well here's this principle you see it unpacks a whole bunch of stuff that we worry about in that passage beforehand and it says don't worry just seek first the kingdom well what's the kingdom the kingdom is turning away from thinking how everyone else thinks and thinking on God it attracts the presence of Jesus it's saying you're king and I'm not and you're welcome in me and as I do that I don't have to worry about anything else because he will make sure I'm supplied for. He will make sure I'm whole. and I'm, He will make sure I'm healed and provided for. He will make sure I have a hope for my future. He will give me everything I need because I trust him. And it's such a great place to live in. Because in that passage it talks about don't worry. And I think we live in a society today that is more worried and anxious than ever in the history of the planet. Anxiousness is huge. And yet Jesus says, don't worry. Just seek the kingdom, because as you do that, I'm going to be in your midst, and I am able, and I'll provide, and I'll open doors, and I'll set you up, because it's a kingdom of increase, and I want you to win. Change your thought processes to kingdom principles, and when you do that, the promise is the king of the kingdom will be near you, and life changes. Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth in his second letter 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 8 through 10 he challenges them he says this even if i caused you sorrow by my letter i don't regret it so he's written something to them which has been a challenge and has wounded them a bit though i did regret it i see that my letter hurt you but only for a little while yet now i am happy not because you were made sorry But because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And I love this. That word, salvation, is such a brilliant word. Now, probably in church circles, we would look at it like, you know, the day someone acknowledges Jesus, has this revelation that actually Jesus loves me, he wants me to win, I'm, I'm inviting him into my heart, we would say salvation has come, and that, that's true, but it's not the whole truth, because salvation is an ongoing thing. We are continually being saved. You know, hopefully you're a better person today than you were a year ago, but this time next year you'll be a better person than you were today. You're continually being saved, do you see? And so what's happened is Paul has written this letter to the Corinthians and challenged them on some stuff that attitude you picked up there that's not cool and they're like ouch and he says well I kind of I don't regret hurting you but I kind of didn't really want to hurt you but you know but here's the goal that you came to repentance you changed your thinking because of godly sorrow you're like oh god I've let you I didn't want to do that what what a fool but it led to salvation that being free from the things that have bound you that being free from the things that tie you that being free from the, the shackles of this world that hem you in when Jesus, the King of Heaven, just wants you to run in freedom. That is his message right there. Repent in this light. Changes everything, doesn't it? See, I, I hope that when you hear the word repent, you won't think, oh, no, I've got so sorry, I'm rubbish. No, you'll just think, am I thinking right? In every area of my life, am I, th- am I thinking right about the way I treat my spouse? Am I thinking right about the way I treat my boss? Am I thinking right about the way I treat my friends? Am I, am I thinking right about how I see myself? Am I thinking right about the God of heaven? Am I thinking right about my goals? And you start asking yourself about what you're thinking. Some of those areas, you might think, I'm going to change that a little bit. That's repentance. And it leads to salvation. And what is salvation? Being free from the things that shackle you so you can have complete freedom and wholeness and come under the blessings of the kingdom. Are you with me? The benefits of heaven are right here and right now. They're right here and right now. And the goal for us to grab hold of those is to change our thinking. And that's easy said, sometimes difficult to do, but that's why we're called together. I love church, and one of the reasons I love church is because one of our strengths is accountability. When you get to know someone and you you chat to them, you can open up to them. Why? Because you know they love you. You know they're not going to gossip about you they know you're going to cheer you on and you can say oh, i've just been wrestling with this area what do you think and they give you a, a chat about it and you, you wrestle it backwards and forwards and you come to a decision and then they say how are you doing with that and it enables you to keep going. Otherwise, you get living in this world, and we all do it, and you get advice from Tom down the pub, and you get advice from Sheila at work, and bit by bit, the attitudes of the world creep back in, and we have to continually just check, what am I doing? How am I thinking? Am I lining up with the king of the kingdom? Because when I line up with the king of the kingdom, life gets bigger and better and blessed. Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing. I don't know what you're up against in this world, but nothing is impossible for him. Whether you have an ailment in your body, he's the great healer. Whether you don't have enough stuff, he's the great provider. Whether you're fearful, or he's the one who sets us free from anxiousness. Whatever it is, the king of the kingdom is with you. Now, I could talk some more, but I feel like I just want to pray. Could I invite you to stand? Come on, let me me encourage you to stir your faith. I feel like God wants to touch a few people. I know you've got the essence of that message. Let's see what God wants to do. Jesus. Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to move amongst us. Thank you, Jesus. Come and search our hearts, Lord God and we can say search our hearts with confidence because we know you love us. You're the king of the kingdom. We know that you've always been setting us up to win. I believe there's a lot of people in this room who are hurting. because of things that have happened in relationship things that were said things that were done and it was like a punch in the stomach but although you're not continually being punched in the stomach you still feel it and it's affecting how you think what if I open up to that person they'll probably do the same what if I drop my guard I'll get hurt again it's binding you up and Jesus the king of the kingdom is here saying change your thinking let me free you from that because your life will be better you may well have your eyes closed already but if you haven't would you mind just closing your eyes I'd love everyone just to have a private moment If you're relating to that right now and you're saying, yeah, I, I relate to that, Pastor Barry. I, I do carry hurt, and it does affect me and I want it shifted. It's today the, the day you allow the King of the kingdom to come rushing in and set you free from that. If that's you and every eye's closed, if that's you, you could just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Wow. God bless you. God bless you over there and there. there wow. lots of people. God bless you. Well, you can put your hands down at the end of the service we'll have people who are willing to pray with you and if you find that helpful I encourage you to go to someone but I'm gonna pray now come on church let's stir our faith it's not just about me praying it's about us together saying come on Lord set these people free get them out of their box free them of their hurts help them to think differently Lord God I lift up every amazing person who acknowledges they're carrying hurt from relationships say sorry to each of you who's been hurt maybe no one's ever said sorry to you before sorry you got hurt you didn't deserve it but Jesus is here today to set you free in your own mind can you just be saying I forgive that person I choose To let that go, I'm thinking differently. I'm not going to hold it anymore. I'm thinking differently. I'm letting it go. I forgive them. I'm turning around. Come on, guys. You can do it. Let it go. Forgive that person. Don't let it hold you anymore. And Lord, as these people make those decisions, I thank you that they're not on their own. Because you say, I'll never leave you. And where they are weak, you'll be strong. And you'll walk them through this process. And I declare wholeness to each of you. Freedom in Jesus. Freedom to run again. Freedom to drop your guard. Freedom to open up that your life would get bigger and more whole. Bless you in Jesus' name. I believe there's people in this room who are fearful looking at the future with all the things going on in our world all the pressures around us and thinking how on earth am I going to cope but the king of the kingdom still says the same thing seek first my kingdom and I'll make sure everything else is covered so I challenge you to think differently to choose to turn away from fear and allow the perfect love of Christ to come in and drive it away because perfect love casts out all fear you can trust him because he loves you just a game with every eye closed is that you today you were saying yeah relate to that I want it gone I don't want to live like that anymore just give me a wave so I know who I'm praying for God bless you there God bless you there God bless you there thank you Jesus Lord I pray for those people that all fear would be gone and a fresh sense of hope would rise up in our hearts that my God has got me He's leading me forward and my future is bright. I choose to think differently in Jesus' name.